Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it's a joy to be with you today, this morning, and uh, it's been a long time coming. I, uh, I was the one that was supposed to come and my car broke down, and um, so it's humbling to be here with you all, and I'm so glad. Um, yeah, my wife and three kids and I, we were headed this way, and um, our car broke down on the side of the road. So, uh, you know, I'm just reminded of the passage where in James 4, it talks about how, you know, we have plans, you know, come you who say today or tomorrow we'll do this or that, and, uh, you know... If the Lord wills is what we should say. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just glad that it worked out that it was the Lord's will to finally be with you this morning and share God's word with you. And of course, um, that goes into play just with the sovereignty of the Lord, how my wife and three kids didn't make it with me today. Uh, my little daughter, uh, Jubilee, she's two, she started feeling ill last night. And so we had a late night with her, um, or early night, however you want to say it. And uh, so decided it would be best for them to, to stay back. So they um, are sad that they can't be with you uh, this morning. But uh, Also, nice to see Brian Good and uh, see a familiar face. And always good to see him and a fun surprise. And uh, we got to spend some time together at Liberty. And uh, Anyways, it's just a joy to be with you. Uh, just to explain a little bit about myself. My name's John, obviously, and um, I come from Liberty and... Um, a resident director there on campus, and uh, just finished my MDiv in May, and now seeking where God would have us to be, me and my family. So I'm not really from anywhere. If you're wondering where I'm from, I was a military kid, so we moved all over the place about every two years. So uh, I'm from wherever I led, you know, laid my head that night, <laughs> and uh, so so that's me. But I wanted to go ahead, before we dive into God's Word this morning, go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you so much, uh, Lord, just for an opportunity to be with your people. God, it's obvious that you're here with us and just refreshed by your presence among uh, these people, your church. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would do what we cannot. We ask, God, that you would speak through your Word this morning. We pray that you would illuminate it into our hearts and minds. God, I pray that we'd be able to understand the passage that we're going to look at. And Lord, I pray that you'd use it to change us, to draw us closer to you, Lord, to allow us to be greater lights to this dark and dying world. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent us Jesus, that he is the light of the world, and just an opportunity to celebrate Christmas and his birth and incarnation of you coming to be with us, to take our place. So God, as best way we know how, we say thank you and we give you this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke. Uh, it's Christmas, so you've got to turn to Luke. And we're going to be actually in chapter 1. Usually, we like to just jump into chapter 2, but uh, often we skip chapter 1. And there's a lot of great things um, that we don't want to skip over in chapter 1 that I think are going to be helpful for us this morning. Give you a chance to turn there. Anyone ready for Christmas? All right, maybe not ready for Christmas. 
All right. My son Jack, he's four, he'll be five next month, and he said, Dada, I'm. He's like, Guess what? I was like, What? It was very suspenseful. He goes, I'm so excited for Christmas. I said, wow, that's great. You know, he, he's the age where he understands what's coming. He's really just excited for the gifts, right? what, what he's going to get. And, um, but it's amazing because it's interesting that one of the, I think, fun things about Christmas is just the anticipation, right? I mean, one of the reasons why we like to listen to Christmas music, other than it's so you know, unique and happy, is we, it's the anticipation of the buildup. I think it's one, of the, it's one of the biggest holidays because of that. And it's interesting to think about before this time in the New Testament where we're going to be looking at, there was a long buildup, not just for a month, <laughs> a long buildup where most of the Old Testament is leading up to this progression of the anticipation of the Messiah that was going to come. Amen? And so we see here in Luke uh, chapter 1, where we're going to see how um, Luke starts to reveal the beginning of how God would actually do this. How He would actually provide redemption for sinful mankind. And we're going to look at a couple different biblical characters here, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 5 through 38. A little bit of a lengthy passage, but I encourage you to bear with me. And look for, there's two different characters that we're going to look at, and we're going to compare them and just kind of try to decipher as we look through that. Um, if you're able, uh, I just encourage you to stand uh, as I read God's Word aloud. If not, there's not, no one's going to throw any condemnation on you. It's a long passage. I don't want anyone to faint <laughs> or fall over. But just to be in a posture of honoring God's Word as we seek to submit to it this morning. Luke chapter 1. Starting in verse 5. Now, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will, re will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers uh, to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
for I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. And God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, this is a fascinating passage. Hopefully you're able to follow along. And there is a lot going on in this passage that we're going to seek to unpack. But it's amazing because there's, we see two biblical characters that are obviously um, questioning God. Anyone ever question God? All right, a few people raise your hands. Hopefully you won't get struck by lightning this afternoon. I'm just kidding. No, we see two people that get struck by God. And it's interesting because they have um, two different responses, though, at the same time. And also two different outcomes. And so the difference is really how they questioned God. Not the fact that they did question God, but the, the fact of how they did it. And now this is a difference of the condition of the heart. That's what God really cares about, is the condition of our heart. Where's the condition of your heart this morning? Something to ponder. So, as we kind of already said, there's a lot going on in the Scriptures before this, all right, that lead up to Christ's birth. And here in Luke, there's a lot that's going on in setting up Christ's Birth, and all are pointing to the signs that there is going to be a Messiah who is going to bring us salvation. And so, um, 
You know, there, there was a lot foretold in the Old Testament, even the fact that there would be a forerunner before Jesus, which would be, end up being what we know now as John the Baptist, right? And so, uh, you know, how will we know these things that will take place? Well, if anyone knew the different signs that would take place from the Old Testament scriptures, who better would have known than a priest, right? Zechariah would have known better than almost anyone else what the signs of the Old Testament would, would be of the coming of the Messiah. So, again, Luke kind of obviously helps us set up to compare these two characters, but really, Zechariah is the one that probably has the advantage in the situation. Interesting to think about. But I think overall, all right, if you get anything before we keep moving, I think Luke is trying to show us that there is nothing that is impossible with God. There is nothing that is impossible with God. I mean, just think about it in in matter of salvation for a second. The fact that a holy and righteous, just God would provide a way of salvation for a wicked and rebellious, disobedient people. I mean, if that's not a good, loving God, I don't know what it is, right? Amen? But I think that is to show that there is nothing that is impossible with God. God, just the fact that He created a way of redemption for us through Jesus Christ. And so here we see how Zechariah, he's an older man, and he has an older wife who's barren, and lots were drew, and he was chosen to go into the temple and burn incense. This was really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Maybe your name was, was drawn in the lot, maybe it was not. This was a big deal for Zechariah to have this opportunity. And so this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And then what happens when he's in there burning incense? Right? Everyone's praying outside for maybe God to do something big, something miraculous. I don't know what they're specifically praying for. It doesn't say in the text. But what happens when Zechariah is in there? An angel appears to him. Right? Was this just normal day? Did he just expect this to happen? Probably not, right? (laughs) That the angel came and revealed himself, and it says that he was terrified. I would probably be terrified too. I've never seen an angel, all right, that I know of. (laughs) But I believe that I would be terrified just like him. And you would think that that would be a sign in and of itself that God was about to do something big, correct? Anytime that God had an angel show up on the scene, he was about to do something significant. But it wasn't enough of a sign for Zechariah. It didn't seem like he quite got it, right? And the angel, what did the message of the angel, what was it? That what would happen? His wife would bear a son. So think about it for a second. Zechariah, he is very familiar with the Old Testament and the Scriptures. And um, we we think, well, all right, well, has something like this ever happened before? You have an old man and an old woman, and they can't have kids. They're barren. Not only are they barren, but they're old in age. And God promises for them to have a son. Anyone else remember of a time that that happened in Scripture? All right, Abraham. 
Okay, Any, everyone, anyone remember the story of Abraham? This should be, God usually repeats some, some major things when he's setting up the next step of salvation. And it's amazing because Zechariah should have said, oh, well, this has happened before. This happened with Father Abraham, who is the father of the nation of Israel, who began saying, where God promised him that through your seed will be the way of salvation. Fascinating, right? So we see this, and Zechariah should have known that God has done this before. He's about to do something big. And look at Zechariah's response in in verse 18 with me. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. (laughs) How shall I know this? Do you think God was trying to get Zechariah's attention? Right. He, he gets chosen to go to the temple to burn incense, and the angel comes, all right? He's, and uh, it says, you're going to have a son with your old barren wife. And um, let me just ask you this. Has, do you, have you ever remember a time where God's maybe trying to get your attention? And you maybe miss it, like Zechariah. I know there are times where God was trying to get my attention, and I missed it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it if God's trying to get my attention. Here, I believe God was really trying to get his attention. But Zechariah wanted another sign. He said, how will this be true? Verse 19, he says, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. There's really only two or three times that an angel's name was specifically mentioned. And so the fact that this was a specific angel, this was Gabriel, was a big deal. All right? Gabriel is the angel, by the way, that appeared to Daniel. Zechariah would have known this. And he said, all right, well, how will I know this? The angel says, listen, I'm Gabriel, all right? and I stand in the presence of God, the physical presence. Think about the irony here. Zechariah is in the temple, which represents the the place where God's presence is going to come and, and dwell among the people of Israel, right? And so he's in there. And that's where the presence of God should be. And, and Gabriel says, listen, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the very presence of holy, righteous God. It's just not the Holy Spirit dwelling there. It's like the physical presence of God in heaven. Saying, what I'm saying is legit, <laughs> right? And it, I just think there's so much irony there that's going on, him being in the temple. And, um, you know, it's interesting to think about how um, God didn't come down, an angel did, all right, to, to tell God's word. But no one has actually seen God's presence before this, actually seen God. Moses had seen the back of God, all right? But here Gabriel is saying, I'm coming from the presence of God. Look at verse 20. It says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah is saying, well, how will I know this will happen? You think that he would have had the patience enough to be like, well, I'm just going to wait to see if there's a baby bump, right? Um, But maybe he just wasn't that patient. He's saying, well, how will this happen? You know, sometimes we, don't ex- we miss what God wants to do in our lives when He's trying to get our attention because maybe we're not paying attention and maybe we don't expect for God to move big in our lives, but maybe we should. All right, obviously, this is a unique happen- uh, thing that is happening in, 
in time. But let's look quickly at the next character, all right, who was also promised something that had never happened before. The virgin birth. Mary was a poor woman. All right? She was not educated. This is a person that was not valued in society at the time like Zechariah would have been, as much as a priest. And the angel appears to her. And she's wondering, why is this angel appearing to me? And why is this angel greeting me like this? Mary, O favored one. Correct? And what's her response? Let's look in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, what'd she say? How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Right? She had great fear. Her response was fear. All right? And then we see that her response is very similar to that of Zechariah. It's the same angel, similar message. Similar message that you're going to have a son. It's going to be done in a miraculous way. The first, your wife is barren and old, and you're just going to be miraculous. The second, you're a virgin, and you're going to have a, bear, uh, a baby. This was going to be miraculous. What was the response? Questioning God. Same, same, same. As we're reading this, as this passage, if we don't know what's about to happen, in our mind we're probably thinking, oh, poor Mary, right? Gabriel's going to make her go mute. <laughs> and she's not going to be able to talk the whole time that she's pregnant because she disbelieved, that she, she questioned God, right? But no, a different response happens, right? A different outcome happens. Do you ever experience that? All right, maybe uh, when you're a kid and your siblings, with me and my kids, you have to be very careful. Is it going to be fair, right? If you give one kid a lollipop, you're going to give the other kid a lollipop, right? It would be like if uh, uh, both kids do the same thing and you, you, know, you punish one and give the other, person, the other uh, kid some candy, all right? Do you think they're both going to be happy about it? All right, probably only one of them will be happy, correct? Like, what is going on? What is the difference that is happening between Zechariah and Mary? It seems like the same outcome should happen, but the same outcome doesn't. So what is the difference? One is blessed, one is disciplined. Well, Mary is asking this question of how? How? How will this happen? How will this play out? Zechariah is more out of a heart of skepticism. Disbelieving that it is even possible to happen. How will I know that you are telling the truth? Mary's is filled with wonder. He has wonder-filled Faith. And there's a slight difference here, but there's a big difference. Don't miss it. And so we see this parallel, these two characters, and the promise um, of John, and the promise of Jesus, and the link between John and Jesus. And John will be preparing the way for Jesus, for the Messiah, for something big to happen. And the Christmas season is all about signs. Even the different decorations that we have are signs that are pointing to something more significant, right? Even as we did the Advent, these are illustrations of signs pointing to the Messiah. Even the Christmas tree, all right, it points to where our, um, our, the Lord is now at the right side of the Father, all right? The lights representing that Jesus is the light of the world, the bells representing the good news is here and we can go and we can tell. All right? The globes of the ornaments on the tree representing that, that it's salvation for all people. Amen? And so we see here how there are different signs that are going on. Christmas season is usually all about signs. And I think Luke is starting to give his readers a sign that something big and significant is about to happen. The world is about to be turned upside down. 
the world is about to be turned upside down. Ephesians 1.9 says, this is Paul, he says, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to Himself, things in heaven and things on earth. See, again, salvation, we didn't know before this how God was actually going to do it. And that Mary is asking, how? How are you going to do this? It was a mystery. Right, we, we, if you remember in 1 Peter 1, it talks about how that mystery has now been revealed to us. So we have two parents, both promised a child, both afraid, both miraculous births, both are given names of what to name the child from the angel. John, meaning God is gracious, all right? Gracious to give a forerunner to prepare the people, to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Messiah. And as we are here in the Christmas season, I want to ask you, is your heart prepared? And then Jesus, whose name means Savior. God is supernaturally at work here, and He's bringing two men into the world that through humanly impossible means, through humanly impossible conceptions, where God is going to reveal His plan of uh, salvation and going to powerfully demonstrate that there is nothing impossible with God. That sin that should separate us from a holy and, and, great, and good God, <laughs> because, because He's good, He's also just, is no longer the case because of Jesus. So, two responses. What was Zechariah's response? Disbelief. Less than faith-filled. In contrast, the response of Mary. Not asking for more evidence. Notice. But she asked for how. Look in verse 34 again. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Zechariah's asking for a sign, but Mary asked for understanding. Mary asked for understanding. Which one are you in the story? Are you Zechariah? Or are you Mary? Which one are you? And I ask us all this morning, do we really believe what God tells us? Do we really believe what God tells us in His Word? Do we really believe the promises that God tells us? And let me tell you, God's a faithful God. He has a pretty good track record. But do we really believe do we really believe it? Do we really believe that God can do the miraculous? Can He can do it in and through our lives like He promises? Do we really believe what Christ has done for us and what that means for us? Do we really believe? Or maybe this morning we just need a better understanding of what that looks like for Christ to give Himself for us. To better understand what this transaction is, this incredible transaction where we got, give God our broken Selves, where we give God the nothing that we can do to earn our own salvation or be good on our own. You know, the scriptures say that it's as filthy rags. But we give ourselves to Christ. And you know what? Christ gives himself to us. His perfect, blameless account. And he forgives us and gives us a new life in him. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal, don't you think? That's an incredible, incredible deal. So how do we respond to that? How do we respond to salvation? How do we respond to the mission that God has given us? How do we respond to this idea of Jesus coming down, God coming in the 
human form into flesh and incarnation. Why did he have to come down in human form? Why couldn't he do it another way? So that he could take our place. So that there could be this divine transaction that, that occurs. Jesus had to become human because we couldn't do it while we were ourselves in the human form. Amen? Jesus had to do it in order to take our place. We can't do it in our own goodness or righteousness. It's impossible. And so through Christ, he, God has brought us salvation for all. Do you believe that? And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you do believe it, well, do you believe it for your neighbor? Do you believe it for maybe your family member or the person down your street or maybe someone in South Boston that you know or haven't met yet? Do you believe it for them? Do you believe that God could do the miraculous in their life to draw them to the Lord? That they could give their life to Christ and receive forgiveness and a new life in Christ. Let me tell you, nothing is impossible with God. Reminded, um, and go over quickly, a passage in Mark chapter 9. You can turn there quickly if you like, but I'm just going to really reference it. And it's a story of someone who was struggling with belief. And here we see this passage of how Jesus' disciples tried to uh, cast out this demon, an unclean spirit, out of this boy that uh, the demon is trying to cast him into um, the boy into fire and water and harm the boy, and, and they can't do it. And they're frustrated. Why can't we do this? And, and um, it's really fascinating if you look in Mark chapter 9 and verse um, 22. And um, because Jesus says, How long has this been happening? And the dad says, From childhood. And has often cast him into fire and water, destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this boy's dad is saying, if you can do something, you know, will you please do something? And what does Jesus say? He says, if I can. Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? He's like, I'm the son of God, right? I'm the Messiah. What do you mean if I, if I can? All things are possible for the one who believes, Jesus says next. Right? And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's pretty honest, isn't it? Saying, I believe. But you know what? There's a part of me that I don't know. Help my unbelief. And as humans... Sometimes it can be so frustrating because we put this expectation on ourselves that we need to be perfect and all figured out. We need to be professional Christians, right? But I think we just need to be honest. And we need to be honest with what we believe and what we don't believe. But hopefully God has given us a desire to believe. If we're honest, the parts that we don't believe, we need to call out and say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief unbelief. And Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes. There's parts of us that I think absolutely believe some of these things, and there's parts of us that have some hesitation. We're like a Zechariah. We're like, God, I want you to kind of prove it to me. I want you to show me a, another sign, because I'm not convinced. And you know what? God is saying, I am God. All things are possible. We see that, number one, through salvation is possible. Praise God. Aren't you glad that salvation is possible, that we're not condemned to, 
to an eternity apart from a holy, righteous God, condemned. Amen? That's possible. And God has given us a mission to help others realize that they can have salvation in Christ as well. And so we need to call out, help my unbelief. So there's a slight difference between knowledge of knowing something and belief. Belief, unless you act on belief, I would argue that it's not truly belief. Unless you act on it, it's probably not truly belief. God is calling us to belief, to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ, that through Him all things are possible, but we must believe. Mary didn't have belief, but it was asking how. It's okay sometimes to ask God, well, how's this going to happen? It's not a good thing to say, well, prove it to me, right? Prove it to me. I don't believe. And God, whether you realize it or not, if you're a follower of Christ, is calling you to His miraculous work to help other people see how powerful and great and awesome God is. We don't have to understand everything about God. I want to focus real quick on Zechariah, because sometimes it can be discouraging. If you, if you relate more with Zechariah this morning, you're like, wow, that's just discouraging. Thank you. Right? But notice Zechariah's story. He was disciplined for his unbelief. And you may say, man, there's times that I don't believe. Or maybe even right now you think there's things that God promises, but I haven't seen him prove it yet. I'm not convinced. Maybe you've questioned God, maybe out of disbelief or skepticism. And we see that there's consequences for that for Zechariah. But Zechariah was not dismissed. Amen? He wasn't dismissed. God's promise was not based in this situation upon his disbelief in the moment. It still stood based upon God's word and his, his faithfulness. It's not cognizant, it's not um, based on our faltering. Faith, sometimes we have momentary lapses of faith, but the Lord help our unbelief. God does not cast us away if we repent. Amen. So this morning, may we all search our hearts. God, is there a part of me that has an a unbelief? Of really who you are, what your word says about you. Of what you have done. What you want to do to use me and how you say you can use me. And then, and then believe that what you say is going to happen is going to happen. Maybe you're discouraged because you've been praying. All right? Just as Zechariah and his wife were praying for a long time. That God would do something miraculous in giving them a child. And finally, it's like when it's too late, an angel shows up and is like, I'm going to do it for you. Maybe that's your case. You feel like, I've been praying for something for a long time and it hasn't happened. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. God's a good God. And whether we understand the reasons why He allows things or not does not change the fact that He's good and He's faithful. And you know what I do know, based upon God's Scripture and His Word? That one day, our hope is in Christ where He will make all things new. He'll make all things new. And our hope isn't in the circumstances of this life and of this world. It is that one day, Jesus will make all things new because He's redeeming. He's calling us all back to Himself. And that is good news. That is the good news of Christmas. Not only that Jesus came to be incarnate, to take our place as a baby, but that one day he's coming again. And we can believe and have hope in that truth. So what is God asking you to do this year as we approach the new year soon? Maybe during this Christmas season. 
that seems maybe even impossible. I'm going to tell you, it is impossible without God. Notice, real quick, in verse, um, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Notice the, the angel Gabriel responds when she asks, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And in verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the Son of God. How will God do it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that would provide a way for her to be impregnated and be a virgin. It's miraculous. right? Notice that now that we're on this side of Christ's incarnation, death, burial, and resurrection, what do we have that Mary also had? What do we have that John the Baptist also had in, in the womb of Elizabeth? What do we have? We have the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest gifts that we have in receiving Christ, we have the promised Holy Spirit that is given to us that is a helper. And that helps us. And that empowers us in order to live a, a faith that is active. He wants to do the impossible through you, not because we're something special or something strong or something great or you know, anything like that. He wants to do it through us because now we have not only been justified by Jesus, meaning God looks at us, He sees us as the perfect record of Christ, but now we've been given the Holy Spirit and able to do it. But God wants to act through our belief in order to the Holy Spirit to work through us. And parts of us where we struggle, we still want to go back to disbelief and unfaith and go to our flesh. All those are signs of acting in unbelief, but we need to call out to God on the daily. And we need to say, the Lord, Lord, help my unbelief. Belief. Help me to live the way that you're calling me to live. Help me to love my wife, my husband, my kids, my neighbors, my family members, the ones that are difficult to love. Help me to witness to those that need you. Help me to do the things that you're calling me to do. Help me to do it in belief that what you said is true, that you are powerful as you said you are. I don't have to, I don't have to hide and cover that you are awesome and you can do the mighty things in and through me, even in this broken world. Because remember, we're reminded here at the Christmas time that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the hope that can dispel the dark, broken things of this world. It starts in our heart, preparing our heart. So this morning, I want to ask you, as we seek to respond, I have a proper response to Christmas, the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of Jesus giving us himself. Is your heart prepared for what God wants to do in and through your life? And Jesus has given us his very self. And what is our response? The great divine transaction? We give God ourselves. And so this morning, this Christmas season, would you give your heart and life afresh and new to the Lord? Because he's given you his very self. May we be reminded of that. May we be refreshed in giving our life back to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you gave us your very self in human form, and not only just to be born as a baby, to take our place, to live the life that we could not, perfect, sinless life, but Lord, that you died a gruesome death on a cross, that you were separated from God, the Father. So Lord, thank you that you're a good God. Thank you, Lord, that we see that salvation was not impossible for you, even though you were such a good, just God. And just a spirit of prayer 
this morning, I would invite you to do business with the Lord. Whatever God is convicting you of by His Holy Spirit, don't wait on it. Spend a moment with the Lord. Maybe this morning you realize that you don't know if you've ever truly accepted the gift of Jesus. Maybe you feel like your sin is too great. Maybe you feel like the Lord wouldn't be able to forgive you. Let me tell you that He can. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a new life in Him. He wants to begin a relationship with you. Salvation has been said to be as easy as ABC. It's to admit, believe, and confess. And so I invite you, if that's you this morning, to admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you've rebelled, that you've wronged the holy God. Believe that Jesus is who He said He is, that He's the Messiah, that He was born. He died in your place and rose again to give you new life in Him. For you to be matched up in His identity and not at that of your sin and your shame. And then confess that He is Lord, that He's, he's the one who you're going to follow with your life. I invite you to do that. And I'll just even lead you in a prayer if you're not sure how to do that. Uh, just for you to be honest with the Lord. And I just invite you to repeat these words in um, your heart after me. Say, Lord God, forgive me. I have sinned against you. Thank you for Jesus who came to take my place. I, I believe that. Now, Lord, best way I know how, I give you my life. Come inside. Forgive me. Make me like you. Help me to live for you. As, if that's you this morning and Maybe you prayed that for the first time, and maybe it's the first time you prayed it and you really meant it or understood it. I invite you um, to tell somebody. Tell someone here. Tell, tell Glenn, tell Jamie, tell Steve, tell someone here. Tell them the decision that you've made. It's the best decision that you could ever make. It's to follow the Lord with your life. Maybe this morning God's uh, seeking to get your attention on some things and Maybe you haven't really been expecting for God to, to move as He says that He's able to. Would you just ask the Lord to help your unbelief? That you would be a faithful follower of Christ. That you would take Him, as a, your, take him at His word. That you would be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, just for the gift of your conviction of your spirit. Lord, we, we thank you. Lord, how you're patient with us, how you're kind with us. Thank you for Jesus and the Christmas season that we can just remember and reflect and be thankful, Lord, that you've come to take our place. Lord God, I pray that you would give us great joy in believing. Lord, I pray that you would prevent us from giving in to the lies of the enemy and of the world and of the flesh. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to, to be and show the light of the world, the hope that we can have in Christ. Lord, I pray that um, your hope would fill us with all joy and 
peace as we seek to trust in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.